welcome to the Business Octopus, where we talk about all things sales, marketing, and technology. I'm Avon Collis, CRM and Marketing Automation Specialist at Relevate and All Around Good Guy. And today I am joined with Nate Tutas from uh, Membrane, uh, here to talk about sales enablement, effectiveness, and sales process. Welcome, Nate. How are you going? I'm doing well. Thanks, Avon. Appreciate you having me. No problem at all. Now, um, we've got uh, a familiar background in the military and, you know, we've we sort of been talking a lot about, um, you know, having a system, having a process, being really sort of uh, driven and being effective, you know, uh, particularly we, we're used to working with large teams, um, delegating responsibility, but a lot of people in companies have a lot of trouble around that or they don't really have a process or they haven't really thought about it. They think things should just happen. So, why are some organizations, in your opinion, why are they ineffective? Why are they not working? Well, from a sales perspective, I think the reason that they're not working is because sales is the one area within a company that you don't go to school, you don't go to college, you don't go to uni to, to get a degree in sales. You can get a degree in marketing. Um, there are some schools that are starting to have where you can get a sales degree. Um, but sales has always been one of those things that you kind of shoot from the hip. Um, so that's, that's the first part of it. And the other part of it is that if you look at any department within a company, if you look at finance, if you look at logistics, if you look at any of those things, they all have standard operating procedures in place, typically. And if they don't, if you went to finance, for instance, and you said, hey, what are your procedures for filing our taxes or whatever it would be? And they were like, eh, we just, each year it comes up and we just kind of figure it out. You'd fire the person like they wouldn't exist in your company anymore. Yet in sales, if you were to say, hey, what is your process for moving a new customer, finding a new customer, acquiring them, bringing them on board, moving them through our sales funnel and actually closing, winning the opportunity and then making sure that they're a great customer moving forward and that we grow that account as much as possible. They can't articulate it. Um, and part of the challenge is that the salesperson can't articulate it, but neither can the sales leader. There's typically a vision there. They've got kind of an idea and a dream of what it should look like, mm. but how they translate that down to the lower levels ends up getting lost. So you end up with a lot of kind of shoot from the hip, a lot of energy and a lot of effort, but not a lot of actual practical application of how you go and make that a repeatable process. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting what you said there. I think um, that sales is one of the softest of soft skills in that you really can't train it, like you said, and you know, it takes life experience and having gone out and done those things because you're playing with human emotions, persuasion, and you know, every person you talk to is different. Maybe they're in a different emotional state. You've really got to read them. Um, and, and that's part of it. And the other part of it is there is some statistical stuff you can do. There is some, um, you know, process stuff that can be replicated. Uh, so it's, it's, it's very interesting. And another point you made about account growth is that I think a lot of people go, great, we closed it, we won the deal, let's go find the next customer. And everyone's buying leads, everyone's doing, uh, you know, uh, cold calling and trying to outreach on, you know, things like LinkedIn. But what we forget is, or what most businesses forget is that most customers that you've already got are your best customers that you're ever going to have. And mm. they're 16 times cheaper to sell to and uh, eight times more likely to buy. So I think it's, it's um, a very important point that you bring up there. So what are some of the ways that a business can become more effective in, in sales? Well, there's a ton of different ways. I think one of the most important and vital 
first steps, I would say, is actually getting a process in place. So to your point, it is, there are a lot of soft skills that are involved in sales. There is a lot of reading of personalities and understanding who it is that you're selling to. And that's why you'll see a lot of things where there's sales is part art and part science. Mm. The science part are things that you can replicate over and over and over again in order to get a particular result, just like you would with any scientific experiment. But within the conversation, it's what that conversation actually consists of. So um, best practices from a sales process is typically four to five stages, anywhere from four to six uh, milestones or, or specific steps that need to be covered within those stages before you can move on to the next stage. Mm. And that really is, um, it, it gives you a framework to coach to. It also gives the salesperson an understanding of where they're actually at in relation to moving the deal forward. A lot of times when I hear coaches and they talk to their salespeople about pipeline reviews, they'll ask them, where's this deal in the pipeline? And it's literally a gut check of the salesperson going, oh, I'm, I'm really, really confident that this one's going to close. When if part of our sales process was mm. step three, do we have all the decision makers involved? Yeah. It's really simple to say, hey, okay, that's great. We're really confident that it's, that it's about to close. So I'm assuming that we have the decision maker involved in the process. Mm. Well, well, I know we do. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Well, I always say that, you know, like collecting one or two bits of information at the front end can really speed up or improve the rest of the relationship. So you've really got to take a big helicopter view and, and look at all the parts along the way and decide what that mm. is. But, you know, one of the challenges I find, you know, you, you, you think sales process and I think uh, all right, I'm on a phone call. I've been cold called by, you know, someone trying to sell me solar panels, which is actually quite a big scam in Australia. And it, they go, how are you doing today? I'm like, oh, yeah, not too bad. And then they're like, that's good. And in, in, in my mind, it sounds like they've gone to the screen, they've clicked the next button and they've gone, yep, I have established rapport. No, you haven't. <laughs> um, right. the, I think, you know, sales process doesn't happen in a linear form. So how do you combat that? Like the, you've got different stages, but where do you put the stages? How do you know? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Part of it comes down to the type of sale that you actually have. So in, in a simple sale, like if I was calling and it was like a one call close, I'm going to have a very simplistic established rapport, uncover a need, speak to the need, figure out if my solution fits with that need or not, uncover any objections that you might have, handle those objections and, you know, hopefully offer you the opportunity to move forward and you make a decision. It's a one call close. It's a very quick process. Mm. Well, what I guess I'm referring to is more of a complex sale. When you have multiple sales calls involved within the process, mm. how do we actually uncover the need right at the beginning and really dig in and understand what that need is? If we think about technology, I would say probably 85, probably even higher, probably 90% of technology companies start their sales process with a demo. Yeah. When you start with a demo, I have no idea what relevance there is for my tool before yeah. you and I have that conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. So how many times have you been on a technology demo where the rep is just shooting off this feature and that feature and the other feature and you're sitting there on the other end going, not relevant, don't care, how fast can I get off this call? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there's a little right. red button that helps with that. Um, <laughs> it does. <laughs> so um, it's interesting what you're saying about, um, you know, like, being that non-linear and, and identifying in particular the, the, the key stakeholders and decision makers, you know, mm -hmm. like particularly for large accounts when, you know, you've got four or five people 
And, you know, identifying who each of these people are can be quite difficult. Like, for example, there was an organisation uh, we were working with and it wasn't until we went on site and talked to someone in the warehouse at the back who's like this old dude who works temp, uh, part-time, he's about to retire, uh, but he was the influencer because he um, owned a similar company, you know, 10 years ago and knew all mm. everything inside out. And so he's just working out casually in the back, just... Uh, um, doing uh, doing his thing, you know, getting ready for retirement. But they listened to him very big time on, on everything. And so he got to, you know, get involved in, in all of this, the discussions. And mm -hmm. it wasn't until identifying that, that that's what got the sale over the line. So when you've got those, uh, those influences and decision makers, you might have someone on the phone who's super excited and really keen, but um, has no decision-making power whatsoever and they kind of get dismissed and then you see them get emotionally cut down because they've been told, oh no, we, we've, we've already got that sorted. Thanks, thanks little Johnny, you can, you can go away now. And, yeah. uh, and that wastes not only their time but your time. So that's uh, very interesting. So what is sales enablement? Well, I think, you know, that's one of the kind of terms uh, I what is process? It's kind of like, what is effectiveness? Um, it's in mind, enablement for a sales team starts with giving them the right tools so that they can be it's enabling them. That starts with the fundamentals of having a process in place that they can actually execute and iterate on and figure out what they're missing. So figure out when I iterate on a process, if I keep missing that I need to identify the decision maker, Yeah. okay, yeah. now I've got something I can actually go back and work on, right? It's like a, a basketball player that, that knows they need to work on their jump shot. I now have something I know I can work on and that can make me better in the game. Hmm. Without that, what I see a lot of times in technology is we enable sales teams by giving them a ton of additional tech and saying, hey, we're gonna give you this cool iPad so that you can go out in the field and it's gonna put your presentation right on there for you and it's gonna simplify things so much. Yeah. But if we still don't have a process in place, yeah. what, what does that really mean? Other than just kind of shortcut them to show the product, show the feature, ignore the customer. If we have a process that says, hey, by the time we get to this stage in the sales process, we need to have identified the decision maker then we've really enabled them to actually go back and think more effectively about their opportunities and then use that to, to move those opportunities forward. It's almost like if you're a farmer, it's you think, all right, I've got seeds in the ground and if I put more water on and more water on and more water on, they'll grow faster. Well, it's really not the case. You know, they probably need uh, watering at the right times. Like over, too, overwatering is going to rot the seed. Um, they probably need a little bit of fertilizer. Too much fertilizer is going to burn the roots uh, they probably need the right amount of sunlight, too much light is going to like kill the plant. So it's, it's, uh, I guess it's identifying what you know works from previous experience and then applying that again and again. Right, exactly. And when you have that documented, you can improve. If you think about like when we were in the military, mm. you went and you did things over and over and over and over again. I mean, I can't tell you how many times as an infantry guy, I kicked a door down and assaulted a room that yeah. had nobody in it, right? But we were just going through rehearsal, rehearsal after rehearsal, and you figured out what those little nuances were that made the difference. Yeah. And that's where that 
when you have that ability to go in and do that on a sales call, yeah. where you have that confidence in your process, that gives you the ability actually to step back and have that empathy and yeah. to have that emotional detachment, so to speak, that you can actually focus on helping the customer yeah. versus focusing just on how can I move this to a close faster and pushing ahead, yeah. right? And so that, that to me is really sales enablement. It's enabling your team to have that opportunity to, um, as we would say, slow down to speed up, understand yeah. the process so you know what you need to gather when, and then just work through that process. Yeah, it's like like you said, using your uh, room entry example is like understanding where to put your foot when you turn a corner so that you can let the other guy pass you. So you, you've got backup or, you know, um, understanding which angle to enter the room on so you don't get shot on the way through the doorway. So, you know, right. that's the same, same concept is, um, and you do it in slow motion. You literally go one slow step at a time and then you talk about it and you talk about it. And then at the other end, when, when the pressure's on and the customer's sitting there and they're not going to allow you to go back through your notes to see, all right, at this step, do that, at that step, do this, you're kind of trained into the process. So it becomes natural, it becomes automatic, uh, rather than it being, having to be, uh, uh, you know, a really high pressure situation. You feel more calm, you're more in control of the process and, uh, and the customer can see it. So yeah. that's pretty important. Yeah. So how does uh, getting it right actually impact the business? Oh, it impacts the business hugely. I mean, one of the things that we see very frequently is um, most lost opportunities actually stay in a pipeline about 65% longer than a one opportunity. So if you think about ju that just from the amount of time that a salesperson spends working on an opportunity only to have it lost at the end, when you follow the sales process, it allows you to qualify things in and out of the pipeline effectively. And it, it also allows you to then give that freedom back to the customer to say to the customer, hey, you're not necessarily the right fit for us. And I don't want to waste your time putting you through this process only to find out in the end that it's going to be a no decision. I think it's something like 68% of all opportunities end in a no decision. There's no decision one way or another. They just kind of go, go dark. If you have a process in place, it allows you to actually determine when that opportunity should be in the pipeline or when it should be out. So if you just look at that from a numbers perspective, if you have a company that they make 10 sales a month, right? But they're working on 20 opportunities every single month. Just by dropping off five of those opportunities that were unqualified, you can now put in five opportunities that are actually likely to close. And instead of closing 10 sales a month, you might be closing 12 or 13 sales a month. Mm, yeah. It doesn't seem like much, but when you add three additional sales up every single month and each salesperson is doing the numbers end up multiplying astronomically. I know that when I was right, spending three or four hours writing a proposal, I'm like, damn, I hope this closes. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, that, and that'll increase the likelihood that it will. So, you know, it, it'll lean mm -hmm. less on the, pro, uh, on the proposal, more on, I guess, if the proposal aligns with what the customer actually wants, did you actually elicit those requirements? You know, there's one customer recently, we've, re we've written the proposal three different times, but I mean, they've changed their mind a little bit on a few things, but uh, maybe if we did our requirements sourcing a little bit more and asked more of the pointed right questions, you know, what do you really need to solve here? Um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we're pretty much, you know, confident that this, this third one will go, but uh, it, it's sort of like, you know, it's, 
there's a giant cake and which piece do you eat first? So at, at the end of the day, I think we're always going to get them. We're just trying to figure out which one we start on. But still, yeah. you know, like that still could be enhanced. And even if it's like, a, like you said, those 1% improvements, maybe it's, you know, we got one, one less person that we don't um, uh, uh, spend five hours following up, but we can spend that time somewhere else. And then you get this compound effect of, right, now we're writing better proposals. Now we're making good, smarter phone calls where, um, you know, everyone's time is, is better spent. And, and the compound effect of that could be astronomical let alone sales just itself. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a ton there. I mean, even just having a simple step within the process of, like you said, what is the customer's criteria for this proposal to move forward? Hmm. That's one of the steps that we have in our process is we will not send an agreement until we know what happens after they actually receive the agreement. And yeah. so part of that, they may say, well, I'm going to have to go through and it's going to have to check off this criteria, that criteria, the other criteria. That gives you the opportunity as the salesperson to say, oh, that's great. What else would you possibly need to know? Yeah. And they'll, they'll give you that information. They may say, I need to take this to my boss. Yeah. And you could say, interesting. I didn't know they were actually part of the process. Help yeah. me understand what's your boss going to need to see? What can I do for you? So it's a win mm. that when it goes to your boss, your boss is pleased that you brought them this opportunity and you know whatever. Mm. That becoming part of your process yeah. means that that gets done each and every time. So technology is really only like 10% direct. Like if a lot of times people think about the costs and they'll go, all right, it's going to cost me X, but they'll go, I, I am only going to be able to, you know, store some checkboxes or some date fields or some information. But that's really only 10% of the actual benefit. Most of the benefits you receive from software is, is indirect. It's all the after effects stuff, like what we're talking about just then. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's interesting. We do business cases for our clients and, um, you know, we'll put the ROI together of if, if right now missing those steps means that a certain percentage of opportunities is actually falling through the cracks and you're losing those opportunities because you didn't execute those steps. Yeah. What would the ROI look like if we just captured 10% of those deals that are falling through the cracks? And yeah. when you do the calculation on that again, throughout the year, the ROI is in the thousands of percentages. I mean, it's, it's, I came for packaging where like, if you were getting a 40% return, it was a really good ROI. And here we're talking like thousand, 2000% return on investment. And it's because that compounding effect of you get a shorter sales cycle, you get higher win rates, you get larger deal sizes altogether because those larger opportunities that you work on, you can close more and more and more of them because you're following and executing that process effectively. And you're getting repeat business through the uh, account growth. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And yeah. cutting your marketing costs overall. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it boils down so much. I mean, it's, it's really interesting when you start fine tuning those points. When I first started working for Membrane, one of my favorite words that I, that I used repeatedly was iterate. And I had some people that were like, wait a minute, I've heard the word, but what the heck does iterate even mean? And I, mm. I kind of was like, okay, well, it means basically to redo the same thing over and over and over again in order to perfect it, right? Yeah. And sales is a process that you can go back over. And to your point, when we first started, personalities change. So you have to build that rapport separately. There's kind of a meta process that runs alongside mm. the sales process in a complex sale that that's going on in every conversation. I have to establish rapport. I have to uncover what the need is. I have to go through those sorts of things. Mm. But the actual milestones and the gates that have to be checked off as I move forward in the process itself 
did I really determine that there was a compelling reason for you to move forward with the project to begin with? And yeah. what's the impact of success, failure, or doing nothing? Yeah. And if, if that's the first stage, if just figuring out, okay, what's the issue? And I say, what's the, what's the impact of success, failure, or doing nothing? And you say, well, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. We're losing sales, but, you know, it's, it's not that, that big a deal. I don't have an opportunity. <laughs> no, no, that is a pretty big deal, actually. Um. <laughs> but how many, how many salespeople do you know that will ask that in the first stage of the sales process to say, okay, I understand why you need to make a change. Yeah. But what happens if we don't change? Yes. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, I think we should leave everybody on that. Um, <laughs> I, I like that uh, suspenseful question, what happens if we don't change? So thank you very much for your time, Nate. It's been uh, fantastic speaking with you. And um, if you're listening and you want to find out more, you can talk. You can find out about Nate Tudis on the website membrane.com um, and uh, uh, have a look a little bit more about the, the, the platform that he works on. Um, now, the link, as always, will be in the comments along with uh, Nate's LinkedIn URL. And if you're listening and you'd like to be on the show, you can check out relevate.com.au and fill out the contact form. Otherwise, thank you for listening and take care.